the humanities and social sciences. Welcome to another episode of Oh, the Humanities and the Social Sciences, the hashtag hashtag podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Susan Caldas, who talks about inquiry-based learning and fieldwork in geography. Hi, so I'm joined by Susan Caldas. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Susan. Thank you, Marco. Um, I'm really glad to be here and be part of your series. Now, um, in this episode, we're going to be looking more, uh, I guess, at a geography slant um, on the Hashtag podcast. We, we look at all humanities and social sciences, and this one's dedicated primarily to geography. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what Can you give us a bit of a bio? What, what sort of history do you have um, in education, in Hass education as well? Mm, okay. Um, so I, I started teaching in 96. Um, I've always been a geography teacher, and um, I've taught mostly in Department of Education schools um, all around Sydney from low socioeconomic areas right the way through to uh, not so low socioeconomic areas, um, all, all boys, all girls, co-ed. Um, I've had a range of positions including a head teacher, Hizzy, and, and social sciences. Um, but I guess the thing that really uh, launched my interest in geography was as I got beyond my early career years um, and started to have responsibility within schools and across schools for uh, geography teaching and that sort of led to things within the Ge- uh, geography Teachers Association of New South Wales. And then I was fortunate to be appointed on merit um, to ACARA to lead the National Curriculum uh, for Geography Project, the Australian Curriculum Geography, uh, F to 10 and Senior Secondary, and then that led into uh, leading the Economics and Business Project as well. Um, and I think that time uh, having the curriculum development experience really uh, really exposed me to a range of geography educators around the country, uh, geography academics, people in industry who use geography, uh, you know, as part of their livelihood. It wasn't just something that they taught. Um, and so I went back into schools um, after the ACARA uh, role finished after three years. Um, but I guess that had opened my eyes into the fact that there was a lot more to geography education that needed to be explored and why um, why are so many of us uh, driven by a textbook and terrified of inquiry-based learning and fieldwork because that's always fascinated me. And so the only way that I could uh, start to make good on that was to obviously continue my role at national and state levels with the professional association, uh, but start to do some of my own research on it. So at the moment, um, for the last three years, I've been uh, teaching at university, um, teaching the pre-service teachers uh, how to teach geography and um, have commenced my PhD in sort of pedagogical practice in geography amongst the pre-service teachers as well. Fantastic. And look, um, I really want to touch on very quickly before we do look at, and you mentioned inquiry-based learning, which is going to be the theme of this uh, episode. Um, touch. You mentioned you worked on um, for ACARA looking at the Australian Curriculum um, Review for Geography. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what did you gain out of that? What, 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 did you, um, what was your input in that? Ah, so we led the project from the shaping of it. So it's, it's first envisioning right the way through to the writing of it. Um, There was an advisory group and a lead writer that I worked very closely with. Um, We did a lot of consultations with um, all manner of geographers, uh, educators, uh, primary primary educators, secondary educators, you know, university academics, uh, the industry experts. Um, 
And basically it was a process of, you know, we have an idea, we shape it up, it has to be founded in the research, uh, we consult nationally, we come back, we look at all the feedback, we, we adjust, we send it out to international experts in the field and for us in geography at the time we were creating uh, or developing the national curriculum for geography, um, it was uh, the United Kingdom uh, the Ontario curriculum and, of course, uh, Finland was um, something that we needed to look at as well and the International Baccalaureate as well. So they were our sort of uh, critical friend uh, type posts, if you like, and then uh, they'd give us feedback and we, we'd go through it again, do the next iteration, send it out for national consultation and it was just um, that process of really having the idea, getting the research behind it, developing a continuum um, from foundation uh, in New South Wales speak uh, kindergarten, you know, right the way through um, up to year 12, um, but they broke it into, you know, up to year 10 and then the senior secondary, 11 and 12. And, um, you know, that for me was just an amazing time of not only learning how to develop sound curriculum and all the processes, I guess, and, and in a way agendas that um, come in and out of that, but also what the teaching of geography actually looks like around the country because we did a lot of face-to-face consultations, a lot of time in schools, uh, had a lot of work samples given to us from around the country as well as we were trialling various parts of the um, Australian Curriculum Geography. So I guess for me, once I saw what was happening outside of my own, you know, little Sydney box of geography teaching, um, you know, it became just fascinating to me and just wanted to know more and and that's what sort of led me to step into uh, the leadership roles within the national and the state-based associations. Yeah, and look, and um, you mentioned associations, so I think we'll we'll have a look at that. So, what what, what role do you have in the Geography Teachers Association of New South Wales, of which I've I've been a member for a few years, and I've got to say it's one of the the, the best professional associations I've ever come across. Mm. Um, due to the tireless work that people like yourself and Grant and uh, and Lorraine put into it, and everyone, mm. all the other councillors as well. Mm. Um, what what role do you see the GTA playing? Um, New South Wales as, I guess, the advocates for geography where I'm, I'm going to be very, very honest, a lot of students don't see value in geography yeah. and seen as being boring. So yeah. what role does the GTA play in being the advocate for? No, this is a life, you know, this is a life skill subject. This is something yeah. that's going to help you for the rest of your life. Mm. Um, yeah, that, that's a really good question. I guess at the moment um, our role is to really try and work with uh, the experienced and uh, the, the the experienced teachers of geography and teachers who are new to teaching geography. They may be experienced teachers in other subjects, but they may be new to teaching geography. Alternatively, new to teaching geography may be you know our early career teachers as well. Um, so I think um, currently. Um, you know, under Lorraine's leadership, we've definitely been really focused on the pedagogy of geography um, through the conferences. Um, I know that within this year, uh, we'll be focusing uh, some, now it's time to turn our attention to some content, you know, um, but it's really been about that pedagogical practice and familiarisation, particularly with things that frighten teachers of geography, uh, experienced and and less experienced, which all comes down to all those, you know, amazing uh, 
mapping skills and, and tools of geography that we use and the the courage and the um, the drive to um, want to experiment with inquiry-based learning and fieldwork because uh, we realise that it's not always an easy journey for a number of reasons. could be from leadership in the school to the group of students that you're teaching, but I guess the role is about upskilling teachers who would like to know about best practice uh, pedagogy and geography. Um, my role at the moment in GTA New South Wales is um, I'm the immediate past president, so um, I'm in one of the vice president roles, which is allocated for the immediate past president. Um, and prior to Lorraine uh, stepping into the helm, I was president for three years, um, and I guess that was the the role that GTA New South Wales really played then um, was the the promotion and the advocacy and the upskilling of what the Australian curriculum geography was all about and how that was translating into New South Wales classrooms. Um, so I, I guess it's all about promoting the awareness of geography, um, but depending on, uh, I guess, what's happening in broader education or what we really gather from the feedback of our members um, of, of the, the types of learning that they're really hoping that we'll deliver, um, the, the emphasis sort of changes. So it went from having a really national focus uh, when I was the president um, to really now honing in on the pedagogical and, and uh, content knowledge of teachers. And um, I guess it's a similar thing with the Australian Geography Teachers Association, um, where I was secretary for three years as well. Um, and again, that was a national uh, project of, you know, familiarisation with the national curriculum, its derivatives in, you know, um, various uh, jurisdictions around the country. And then, you know, pulling out those things that doesn't matter where you teach, um, this will always be good teaching of geography and this will always be something that you'll need to know um, when whatever your classroom looks like, wherever you're teaching it. So um, they dovetail in together. I'm still involved nationally but as a New South Wales director, um, I don't hold a leadership role at the national level anymore. Yeah. Okay. And now let you, you mentioned national. Let's now talk international and your, the amazing work you're doing in Asia. Yeah. Um, so can you tell me... Let's dovetail into the inquiry-based learning. And what are, what are you doing in Singapore at the moment? Ah, so um, in February, um, I've been selected um, to be their outstanding educator in residence for geographical education um, for uh, three weeks in February. And um, the, the focus that they would like me to bring to them is the how-to of inquiry-based learning and field work. Um, in Singapore, um, their uh, curriculum is uh, very heavily based on the UK model, so they're really well set up um, for all this sort of uh, aspects of inquiry and, um, you know, field work that goes with it. Um, you know, that they love the work of the British geographers, you know, David Lambert, Simon Catling, um, you know, uh, Margaret Roberts, um, ones that we look towards here in Australia as well. And um, they've invited me over to share my expertise in um, how to use inquiry-based learning in your classroom and how field work can be part of a lesson um, and part of a program or a unit of work um, that can be done fairly locally um, and within school grounds. It doesn't always have to be 
um, a mass exodus. And uh, with that, um, we're also going to be looking at, um, I guess, the geographical thinking and the the ideas of the powerful knowledge and uh, what makes geography geography and what makes your lesson geography lesson geographical and um, really trying to hone in on sort of all the aspects of sustainability, uh, spatial awareness, you know, the interconnections, looking at things um, at a variety of scales because, I mean, Singapore is such a hub for the rest of the world that I think physically um, the Singaporean students and the, and the geography teachers are beautifully placed to always be looking at, you know, their, their geographical content in terms of, you know, that real personal um, scale right the way through to local but not very far away. Um, of course, there's the national of Singapore but then, you know, half an hour away literally there's, you know, there's, there's your international scale um, and, and they're very much connected to it and um, they encourage also their teachers to um, have time as part of their training, you know, um, ex- in, particularly in postgraduate study, um, having a sort of an international experience, which when you're in Singapore is not too far away, you know. It can be Vietnam, it can be Thailand, it can be Indonesia, you know, it can be Japan, Korea, China, um, Malaysia, it can be further afield to the Americas and, and Europe as well. Um, but I think... Singapore's beautifully placed physically for amazing geography teaching and um, they're just looking for, I think, a little bit more encouragement, Um, not that they don't do it, but other ways to do it and how it can make a difference in their classrooms. Um, So what... In a nutshell, what is inquiry-based learning? Forget about geography for a second. For someone that's never heard of it before, because you get a lot of uh, a lot of words get thrown around, like um, project-based learning, problem-based learning, mm. phenomenon-based learning, and all these types of something-based learning. Yeah. What is inquiry-based learning for someone that doesn't know? Yeah. Um. To me, I, I don't want to go into a textbook definition of it, but I think for me, it's all about encouraging that question to be asked. And then that question to actually frame the next sort of sequence of lessons, whatever that sequence looks like. It might be a, a very short unit of work that goes for maybe, you know, you know, three or four weeks. It could be a, a program that stretches more for a term. And I think whether that question um, comes from, you know, you as the teacher or starts from you as the teacher and then morphs and develops into a question that actually comes from the student interest and uh, desire to know. Um, I don't I don't think it matters actually where that question comes from because that can change in terms of the nature of the unit, the nature of the students that you're teaching, the degree of scaffolding that will be required from you as a teacher. Um, but it's for me it's all about having that, overarching question as your big frame for developing a unit of work or a sequence of lessons and that doesn't mean that you're going out in the field 24-7 and it doesn't mean you're not using uh, secondary secondary sources or, um, you know, there's no time for explicit instruction. It doesn't mean any of that. All it means is that all those things become part of it. So there's time for explicit instruction. There's time for, you know, exploration uh, both within the classroom and outside it. There's time for using textbooks. Of, co- of course, technology will be part of it. Um, all your variety of, of tools and skills, whatever you need to be able to answer that question by the end of a unit of work. Um, so that to me is what inquiry-based learning is. Okay, so now I'm, I'm 
I'm going to let you now uh, sort of take over here. How does this how does this work in geography? How do you integrate okay. field work and how would you use this in a geography classroom? Okay. Um, so in, in the syllabus um, that we've, we've got in New South Wales, um, hopefully uh, across 7 to 10 and, and in, in K to 6 as well, there are inquiry questions that are identified within each unit. And whilst those particular questions don't have to be used, it's a reminder to teachers that your programming for that unit of work should come under the umbrella of one or two inquiry questions, right? So you're always looking to find an answer to something. And that, that question may develop over time. Um, and for me, I, I guess, so that's in terms of the syllabus and inquiry-based learning is a recommended uh, tool of instruction and, and field work goes with it because you can have inquiry without field work, but you cannot have field work without inquiry. There's no point going out into the field unless you you know what you're trying to answer when you're there. And that, that field work experience may be um, part of a, a sequence, well, it should be, it will be part of a sequence of lessons. It shouldn't be done in isolation as an add-on at the end of the term or, um, you know, as a bit of a filler when you, you've got nothing else to do. It should be an authentic integration into a unit of work that is seeking to find an answer to uh, many teachers call it a driving question or an overarching question. So in my classes, um, I'm, I might talk about my university class if that's okay. Um, because Yeah, go for um, it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, is that okay? Yeah, Because um, I guess that, that's what I'm sort of most familiar with at, at the moment. So in our teaching, um, so when we're going through the stage six syllabus, for example, um, we're doing urban places. And so I'm trying and, you know, in, in stage six we know that we need to do fieldwork and I guess we, we feel the pressures absolutely of, of, you know, the time constraints and the high stakes testing and, you know, just everything else that comes with teaching a stage six class. And sometimes um, it can be easy to sort of just, teach from the textbook and, and you know, not do so much of, you know, the, the good pedagogies associated with geography. So what I try to encourage my pre-service teachers to do, and, and this is transferable to any unit, but I'll just use urban places as an example. Um, so we'll, we'll take a, you know, um, a section maybe of, um, you know, if we were doing Sydney as a large as a case study of the large city in the developed world as it stands at the moment. Um, and I suppose being located where we are, so at Macquarie University, there's a lot of uh, effects of urban dynamics going on all around us, you know, out on Epping Road and, you know, over at Macquarie Centre, you've got this, you know, the train link, uh, you know, fiasco at the moment as well. So there's there's a lot going on in that whole sort of urban dynamics section and the um you know, the, the ideas of change and the social and economic influences on the area and, and all those sorts of things. So it's about trying to get them to come up with a question about how we could investigate um, the urban dynamics taking place within 
our surrounding suburb, so North Ryde for us at the moment in terms of that. And we're fortunate um, uh, in at Macquarie in that my workshops are the three-hour workshops, so we do have time to sort of go outside and put into practice uh, some of the things that uh, I might carry on about in lessons in terms of uh, make sure you do this in your lesson. We actually have the time to go out and do it so they can practice it. So together we'll come up with a question. Um, Within the um, urban dynamics section of of the syllabus, um, we were looking at um, obviously the urban dynamics of change, the suburbanisation, exurbanisation, counter-urban, you go through all of them. We were choosing the ones that were specific to us. Um, and then um, a case study showing one of the other urban dynamics operating in a country town or suburb. So we were choosing, obviously, the suburb that we were in. Um, it could be the subject, that, the suburb that your school is in. Um, for us, it was sort of uh, North Ride. And we were looking at um, the growth, development, future trends in ecological sustainability. We were kind of looking at that dash point within um, a case study of the results. So we looked at the urban dynamics section as a whole and uh, through, I guess, what we know of the area, just through kind of, um, you know, being part of, of that community, some some lived in North Ryde, some just come there for the, for the university um, courses, we kind of had to think about, well, what um, urban dynamics do we already know are occurring there? So Obviously, um, there's a lot of urban renewal um, going on um, and consolidation, you know, incredible amount of high-rises being being developed. Um, it wasn't so much the decay. I know you can't have renewal without decay, but we're really sort of we're focusing on the um, urban renewal and, and the consolidation. And then we went into the case study of the results um, so looking at that last dot point, the growth, development, future trends and ecological sustainability. So together as a class, um, we came up with a question that we'd be able to um, research. And off the top of my head at this particular moment in time, what that exact question was um, escapes me. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Um, and we were also looking at the changing economic character and the nature and location of residential land, commercial and industrial development. Because... Um, there's been the big uh, Stanford Hotel that's been knocked down and it's now um, pretty much a pretty much finished um, unit block that's uh, going to have, you know, little cafes down the bottom and, and obviously all the uh, residential units at the top. So they came up with a question that was broadly kind of um, about um, the, the changing economic character, um, growth development, future trends of the area. And then we worked out, well, what what do we think the answer to this question is going to be? And and we think that the, the changing economic character of the area, um, we think that there's going to be um, a lot of young people. It, well, that, this is what I came up with. They thought there was going to be a lot of uh, young people in the area. They also thought there was going to be a lot of sort of professional-looking uh, people because of, I guess, the you know, the um, IT sort of businesses and everything that are around there. Um, and they also thought that there wouldn't be so many uh, families, um, that they'd probably be more, you know, couples, maybe double income, no kids, or um, the the sort of uh, just university students sort of living in, in share accommodation and that sort of stuff. Um, 
And so once they thought that this was what they were going to see and they then they went through and they thought that they'd see a lot of people fairly casually dressed, but they also thought um, that they'd see quite a few professional-looking uh, people as well due to the nature of work that goes on in that area. Anyway, so we had a bit of a chat about what they thought they would find in terms of an answer to the question. So we've got the question, we've got the students' initial ideas about what they think they're going to find based on their existing knowledge of the area. But then, so the next step is to then work out together, well, how are we actually going to find an answer to this question? Is this a researchable question, which then leads to you know, does the question need to be adjusted in some way, um, which I guess is just a work in progress. That's just part of what inquiry-based learning is. You, your question sets the scene and, and every now and then you kind of come back to it and, and work out what you need or what you don't need or if the question slightly needs tweaking a little bit. Anyway, we were still going with the question, so we worked out, well, now how am I going to find an answer to this question? It's a good question. I think I know what the answer is going to be. Now I need to actually find this answer. So uh, that's where you need the primary research, which in geography is all about the field work, so the stuff you do yourself as a student. And you also need your secondary research, which is the already available published information. So they started first of all with, well, um, if we went out in the field for the next 45 minutes, which was the plan, um, these are the types of things I could do. So they thought, ah, oh, I could do some observation notes at, various points because the suburb might not look the same in, you know, three different parts of it kind of thing. Um, so they do some observation notes. What do I see? What do I hear? What do I smell? How do I feel? Um, they were going to interview um, a couple of people. Um, obviously, when I'm doing this type of activity with students in schools, we encourage them to obviously ask people that they know, whether that be their classmates or a teacher or someone in their family, you know, the, we're not expecting our school students to go up to, uh, you know, people they don't know. Um, but the, for the university students, um, they felt that they'd be okay to just sort of ask a couple of questions. They weren't extensive, um, you know, number of questions to us. They, they were felt okay, not only about asking each other, but I think people that they just kind of... Uh, would pass by on the street that they may or may not have known and people at the shopping centre, so they come up with um, interviews. And then um, they also, with the, um, with the observation notes, they also found a couple of apps as well, um, like the Decibel app. So while they're writing down what they could hear, they also had the Decibel app going um, that gave them a reading of how noisy the place actually was, kind of thing. That sounds um, like a really that sounds like a really great app. That's a that's yeah, a great idea. I've yeah, never heard of that app. Yeah, and it's free. Um, it'd, it'd be great to have in the classroom, actually. Just to- <laughs> yeah, you know. And then um, while they were also um, standing in a particular place when they're doing that, how do I feel? Because it's not all about temperature, although that's part of it. I mean, some of it was do I feel exposed, safe, unsafe? You know. Um, you know, um, in the middle of nowhere, super crowded in, you know, do they feel hot, like whatever sort of all those feelings are. Um, some of them also had like the the weather apps that come up that just would give a reading of, you know, the actual, you know, temperature at North Ride and, and the wind and all that sort of stuff. 
Um, so we came up with observation notes. Um, they were going to take photographs, which they'd then annotate later, um, which should also hopefully reinforce what they're finding with their observation notes. And they do a couple of short little interviews. So they came up with three things that they could do that were realistic and achievable that would help them answer their question. And then we had to think about, well, now we need some secondary research um, that we're going to use as bit of backup as well hopefully that's either going to confirm what we think we're going to see and therefore also confirm our fieldwork findings or it's going to have the opposite effect and it's going to really challenge that. So they they sort of said oh you know we could go to the Australian Bureau of Statistics website and go into the local government area and get some stats about you know people and business and income and all that sort of thing which is quite correct. Um, and then they, or some of them said, oh, we could go to the real estate agent's website and have a look at, you know, they always have a lot of information on there about the properties they're selling and to who and how much and how long it was on the market and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and then um, they also uh, said that the local newspaper, you know, always has some articles um, about things that are happening with the population um, in the community. Um, and and also a few of them thought that uh, the Northwest Rail Link is probably going to be part of the changing nature of this area. Um, so to go on to those kind of websites and the Department of Planning websites and things like that, find some information. So we had our question. We had our very sort of brief and informal hypothesis about broad things we thought we were going to see. We had a plan of attack for our field work. So we had the three things we were going to do. We, and um, then we worked out where we we're going to get our secondary research from. We'll do that at a later date. And so then uh, with the fieldwork opportunity, um, we decided we sort of, you know, obviously went on to Google Maps, had a look at the suburb, where was reasonable for us to get to within the time that we had. So there was going to be one group sort of go to the northern end, one to the east, western, southern end. We just divided you know, North Ride like that as best we could and they just went off in um, small groups and I guess, you know, you have to modify that for being in a school context um, but it, it's more to show them the idea of the types of things that can be done and the idea was that they all take their readings and do their things of their of their area that they've been allocated and then when we come back we all pull the results so that we get a a picture of what this suburb looks like and whether it's starting to help us answer the question. Um, and if so, are we starting to see the types of things come through that we thought we would or is it different information? Um, and if we're not getting any sort of answers to our question, do we need to have some different fieldwork strategies or is it our question that's the problem and, and that needs to change? Um, so, you know, with a, with a school group, um, when we've been doing things around the school grounds, um, you're able to kind of, you know, circulate with your class and, and kind of have uh, groups of students in key areas. If you want to scaffold it more, then you just take your classes with you and you go to, you know, various areas of the of the school grounds, um, you know, en masse all together and, and you repeat things like that. Um, so anyway, that they came back. We had the allotted time. We had various check-in mechanisms and uh, they all came back. We all pulled our results. 
Um, shared our photos. They started to overlay it onto sort of uh, Google Maps. They're much better at using technology than me, so they knew exactly what to do with that. Um, but they could annotate them. They had their observation notes there. Um, fortunately, the observation notes did reinforce what the photos were showing or vice versa. Um, and then certain points really got reinforced um, by uh, the people who, who they asked questions to. Uh, some of them also did tallies. So they did tallies of, you know, uh, buses, uh, pink buses, which are our train replacement buses at the moment. Um, and then others did the, the regular buses. Um, and because obviously there's no trains at the moment, some did cars. And um, there were key times when, you know, the noise of so much traffic in one area when with all their sort of observation notes and photographs of like taxis, buses, cars, bicyclists, you know, all sorts of people converging on this one sort of intersection and the noise was horrendous at that particular time. And, um, you know, and, and how do you feel? And you do a quick panorama and it's crowded as well because everyone's kind of waiting for uh, buses and, um, you know, there's lots of high-rise, so there's lots of people, you know, coming in and out of buildings and all that sort of stuff. So it really gave them an idea about how to set a question and that um, now we need to try and find an answer to it. And ordinarily this would have been a sequence of lessons. I mean, I was fortunate that we could try and sort of jam it into a three-hour three-hour lesson and then, of course, once we pulled all our results and they, they got their you know, uh, findings uh, done all through the use of technology and overlaid it on the map that, you know, the northern part of North Rad looked like this and some part looked like that. And and then we went on to the Bureau of Statistics website and we found all the stats and all the things that we needed and created a picture about what this changing economic character and the changing nature of residential land is like and what the growth and development of, of North Road is like. And, um, and they did sort of, obviously they added to what they thought they were going to find but they weren't too far away um, in their prediction and and it's just a sort of a, I guess a strategy that uh, you know my mantra is will fieldwork brings geography to life and they sort of owned the learning and and together we created a question I got them you know they were looking at the syllabus I mean they're training to be teachers so they kind of need to you know know how to do this and um you know, we look at the syllabus, what might be interesting to ask, what can we do within the area that we're in now, um, go through all those sorts of things. They generated the question and the question that we ended up with um, wasn't the question that we started with. So when they started putting questions on the board, I just captured all the questions that they came up with and, and some were almost impossible to be able to, to do with field work. Um, and I think that's the point. It was a very, you know, secondary research-driven uh, research question. So I think that was the point for them too, that they needed that moment of working out the type of question that's really going to drive some learning and that they feel ownership over and that they can also practically, through the use of fieldwork, start to find an answer to. Um, and obviously there's the secondary information that's, you, you need that, you absolutely do, um, but the point of this was to be able to incorporate some field work. So I guess that's why I say you can have inquiry without field work, uh, but you can't have field work without inquiry. And I, and I think that the key there is that the students are the ones that set the question, Yeah. Um, that they feel the buy-in, because if a teacher just comes in and says, you're looking at this, sure, it's still an inquiry, mm. but they're not going to feel the same connection with what they're trying to achieve. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, when I, when I was um, teaching a school, which is oh, it's only two and a half years ago now, so it's probably it's not that long ago, um, but I found it was the same thing. You know, you just, you just try and say to the students, well, this is, this is what this is about. I mean, and, and the students that I was working with, um, we, ha- we had the syllabus in front of us. This was um, looking at in year 10 at this particular time. You know, what type of things would you like to ask? Um, you know, what would you like to find the answer to? And you just go through that process together and whether you do it sort of they work in groups first and then, you know, you all share your, your you know, your questions together and then together yeah. you work out which one is going to work and then you go through that process of, all right, so what's the answer going to be? How am I going to find out this answer? Can I do field work to do this, yes or no? Okay, sometimes you can't and that's fine. But if the point of the game is that you want them to do some field work, then there needs to be that type of question um, where you can actually go out and, and find an answer of sorts. Yep. So, yeah. 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 Well, look, look, Susan. Thank you very, very much for sharing your insight. Is there is there any final words you want to leave the uh, listeners before we um, sign off? I, I guess the misnomer with inquiry based learning is that um, a lot of people tend to think of it as a bit chaotic, um, a bit unstructured, um, a bit uh, non-specific, and that it's almost uh, I wouldn't say free for all for students, but it's kind of like. You know, here's a question, now go find the answer. It's it's not really that. There needs to be a question that you need to find the answer to. But as the teacher, it's your responsibility to be the curriculum maker and to bring this inquiry experience alive for your students. So it's like I said sort of earlier in the podcast that, you know, you have an overarching question that Ideally, you'll have generated with the students, um, you know, or depending on the nature of the students, they will have uh, generated themselves with minimal guidance. But then it's up to you to plan the learning experiences within geography um, that uses all our tools and skills, uses moments of explicit instruction, uses parts of the textbook as required, uses technology and uh, various other forms of information that's available, incorporates field work as part of that so that there's a whole sequence of connected learning that is going to enable students to answer a question of relevance to them. And um, it's not a a free fall and it's not chaotic. It needs to be scaffolded and it needs to be directed. You need to make that curriculum uh, for them based on, you know, what we're asked to cover within the syllabus. Um, And I think once students, for me, it's always just been the the magic of geography and, and the schools I've been in have, I've always been there to set up a geography course they've not run particularly senior geography knowing that it's mandatory you know up to year 10 um, but for me this whole idea of of using inquiry-based learning strategies and bringing in field work at key moments within that learning experience is what suddenly makes the light bulbs go on and for students to go uh-huh this is what it's all about and that then leads you into all of the concepts so you can really talk about you know the importance of place or the spatiality or aspects of sustainability or the interconnections depending what you know what the nature of your content is and um and from there it's it's a really good vehicle to leading you into the rest of what geography is all about beautiful well thank look susan thank you so so much for 
um, taking time out to have a chat to us on the podcast. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me, Marco. Thank you for listening. To continue the conversation, find us on Twitter at hashtag HouseChat. This podcast is part of the Australian Educators Online Network. AEON.net.au